From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn. Thank you, listen. TNT. Uh, it's Friday. It's Friday. <clears throat> Last you need to be reminded, it's Friday the, eight, the 9th of February, 2024. What a start to the morning we're going to have. We've already been giving it large amongst ourselves before we went on our almost forgot we have a live broadcast today <laughs> thankfully uh, we stopped our talk just before we went live there lest anyone should be offended but it's all good here in the tnt hood lots coming up this hour we've got Gemma cooper we've got uh let me get the right page here we've got david miller and also we've got kate shamarani we're going to be talking about uh recent comments and turbo cancer offcom investigations um uh david miller's successful victory in court over being accused of uh, anti-Zionism uh, by his employer, Bristol University. So a lot coming up this hour. And of course, the Julian Assange trial is looming large in the horizon, 20th and 21st of uh, this month of February, only a few weeks to go. And TNT will be in London in situ, covering everything as it happens and reporting back live on air from many people on the ground. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Leave us a message in the, the comments. It's an open line show. You can call us at 22. Bang, bang, bang. Bish, bash, bosh, Natalie. Uh, let's talk about fluoride. Let's talk about getting poisoned. Let's talk about a rat uh, in the shape and form of Chris Whitty. Or should I give him his proper title, Sir Professor Chris Whitty, that little bald-headed runt uh, who runs around uh, telling Call us him. how to live our lives and what to do. Oh, he wants to stick fluoride in water now. Maybe Millions will get fluoride added to their top water in the biggest expansion of the controversial scheme since the 1980s. He only wants to go and dump fluoride in the water. Why, why does he want to do that? Does he care about our teeth so much? No, I can't imagine that Chris Whitty cares much about us. Uh, it says only one in 10 people in England currently have water containing fluoride, and he wants to get those numbers right up. Uh, but of, co of course, it comes with controversy. There's a lot of research to say this isn't very good for us. We've already got fluoride in toothpaste. A lot of people don't want fluoride in the water uh, due to these concerns. So it's a real freedom of choice issue for me. Why should we just have it put in without even there being like any type of choice? or referendum whether you like it or not he's going to push ahead with it and he's going to put fluoride in our water rick yeah and uh, interesting natalie here uh around 1.6 million people in the northeast okay so let's <laughs> note that very carefully in the yeah. northeast uh will if the contentious proposals are given to go ahead get the mineral added to their water supplies initially so it looks like the northeast of england is going to be used as a as, as a testing ground for dumping extra fluoride. The question I have is, why not Kensington? Why not Chelsea? Why not Somerset? Why not Kent? Why not all those beautiful, idyllic parts of Southeast England? Why is he going up to the north where it's grim? Was... It's grim up north. It's grim up north. So they want to add I... fluoride into the water. Is it because they love them so much or they just look at them as human guinea pigs? I... I think the poor are less likely to complain. Uh, their reasons will be that the poor need it more and their teeth are uh, worse and they're more disadvantaged. But of course, if you go to a posh area in London, lots of people will petition and lots of people will say, I'm not very happy about this fluoride plan, but it's they're probably not going to get that in the northeast, so they're going to start there. And they've also, uh, I was going to say, uh, it's a new NHS dentistry recovery plan. And you know how they used to push uh, doctors to give jabs? 
Uh, well, they've got new incentive for dentists. So it will be an extra £15 for dentists on top of the standard payment of £28 for seeing a dentist who hasn't been for two years. An increase of up to £50 per patient needing complex work. And this one, up to 240 NHS dentists will be paid an extra 20000 golden hello bonus to encourage them to work in underserved areas for three years. So basically being paid more to do the job that they're already doing, Rick. Hells, bells, hells, bells, dentistry, teeth. Uh, it's something that I want to linger on. I want to bring Gem into this conversation as well, because I'm sure she has something to say about it too. So we're going to do that. Uh, embrace yourselves, people. Gemma Cooper is incoming here on TNT Today's News Talk. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Gemma, it has often been said that we could run a very successful PR department between ourselves here on the open line. Natalie doesn't even realize it, but she's come up with an incredible strap line for an advertising campaign for the government, for the Northeast, for people to complain. Northeast fluoride, the poor <laughs> need it more. What an absolutely fantastic <laughs> way to advertise it. She doesn't even know how brilliant she is. Does oh, Natalie, know, what do you think? Go. Could that work? Could that work? Well, that's well, what I government... think it work. <laughs> It, that's what the government is actually saying. And this is a story that I've been covering extensively with Sonia Poulton here on the, the early show in the morning in the UK, at least the TNT breakfast show. We've been covering this all week. We saw them huge queues outside the first NHS mm -hmm. uh, dentist to open in parts of Bristol. It caused massive outcry. Those shots went everywhere. The police were called to monitor a queue just for people trying to get dental appointments, free dental appointments. And, and as a result, this amazing, it's got problem reaction solution written all over it, hasn't it? Because this mm -hmm. dental recovery package was launched not even 24 hours later with the golden hello, as you rightly say, Natalie, of 20 grand, uh, incentives of 50 quid. If you see patients that haven't seen a dentist in two, NHS dentist in two years, that's half the population. Half the population of the UK haven't been to the dentist for two years because they can't afford to go private. And now, of course, fluoride in the water in a poor part of the UK, the Northeast. And the government is saying uh, poor areas do need it more because if you're living in a poor area of the UK, you're 28% more likely to have cavities as opposed to an affluent area who look after their teeth better, allegedly. Now, as a result of us covering it here on TNT, Sonia and I, uh, four dentists have come forward and they want to tell their side of the story. We've got a whistleblower dentist coming on Sonia Poulton's show next week. Uh, they want to speak anonymously. They're still in the profession, but they have a lot to say say about the state of dentistry in the UK and why it's been allowed as part of the NHS to get to this very sorry state. So it, it, it's a story that's really triggered hearts and minds. But yeah, fluoride in the water, rat poison, a byproduct of the aluminium industry, it's sodium fluoride, it's not naturally occurring fluoride. None of us asked for it. And yet it's going to go into our bodies if this is rolled out across the whole of the UK. You know, it's something that none of us asked for, but it's going to be put into our bodies without consent. Sound familiar? Mm. What do you say, Nat? Yeah, I, I, everything that Gemma said. Um, I, I just think it's awful uh, that we've got a government in place that just doesn't even ask the public. They're supposed to represent us. They just make decisions without even checking that that's what people want. Uh, and it's going on time and time again. And there has to be a stop to it. And we've got to continue standing up to these to these decisions because otherwise they'll think they can get away with more and more. Give someone an inch, they take a mile. And they want to keep taking more miles and miles and miles, Rick. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting, just to wrap it up, Jim, you said about the uh, Bristol, the queue in Bristol over that NHS, or not, yeah, the NHS dentist that was available, queues around the block, looked like a COVID vaccination centre at the height of the scandemic, people queuing around the block trying to get in to get their job, in this case it was to get a dentist appointment. Off the back of that, that was reported uh, earlier on this week, now we're having this uh, fluoridation campaign because they care for our teeth, there's too much strain on the NHS dentist, people need to get seen and so on and so forth, and bish bash here we have it they're going to dump fluoride up in the northeast to at least 1.6 million unsuspecting victims so yeah witty witty disappeared for a while but he's probably in a little uh, cave somewhere in a basement Gollum. somewhere rubbing his paws together yeah working out how he can afflict more brits and uh you know he doesn't give up does our chris so i uh, have to give him respect for that but he's just an evil little piece of work but anyway enough about chris Witty, witty. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Pakistan now, uh, which some people have alleged uh, when they saw those cues for Bristol, they thought it was uh, Pakistan, but no, uh, it wasn't. It was uh, Bristol. But anyway, moving on to the real Pakistan. And I'm just saying what people are saying because the cues again, whether or not this was set up this way, because Nat and I always talk about how they're trying to divide hey, the uh. country on race and everything. It seemed to be everybody in that queue was either black or Asian. I, hard, I find it hard to believe there's no whites living in that area. There's no white people at all in that queue, but that's the way it was set up. I promise I'm going to stop talking about teeth now, Gemma. What about Pakistan? Well, the Pakistan elections were yesterday. The country took to the ballots, and we covered this before election date because Imran Khan was, uh, you know, the former leader of the PTI party, very popular party. Imran Khan was slapped with all these successive jail sentences right before the elections, banned from standing for public office in an attempt. What many people said was to stop him gaining popularity in these very elections. So he he did lead the PTI party. Under new rules that the, the the courts brought in and the military as well, some say, um, that PTI members have to stand as independents in this election because the party can't exist without Khan at the helm, effectively. Um, so they have been standing. People took to the ballot box yesterday. Pakistan has a country of 240 million people, 128 million uh, registered to vote. That's nearly half the country. Half of those, again, were under 35. So there's a very definite youth vote here, which I think the, the country's uh, authorities are keeping a very close eye on. So the vote started coming in yesterday, but they've been coming in very slowly. And also uh, the mobile phones went down yesterday and there's all kinds of allegations of vote tampering. There was a lot of unrest yesterday because people were saying, oh, the independent representative of the PTI party has won in our district. Where's the results? And the results weren't being fed through. People say this is rigging. The military don't want any PTI representatives in government. Uh, the National Assembly has 44 seats and the results have started to come in, albeit slowly, and it looks like it's neck and neck. 50-50. It's really not going the way that some say uh, the, the Pakistani military wanted it to go. So we've got the um, early indications showing that the PTI party has 14, won 14 seats and the guy who was tipped for the top, Nawaz Sharif, from the PML party has 17 seats. Now, there are 51 seats actually up for grabs, not 44. That's my mistake. 51 seats up to grabs. Uh, the one tip for the top has won 17, but the rank outsiders, the establishment was hoping, the PTI party with all its independent candidates, which Imran Khan was urging people to stand as in independents from, from behind bars. He was saying, get out there, stand as independents, and all our supporters get out and vote. Seems to be working. 14 seats 
have now been won by that party. Um, some political analysts are saying, you know, there is a lot of funny business afoot here. Why did the mobile phones go down? Why has there been uh, such a slow trickle of election results when the ballot boxes closed nearly a day ago now? Um, and that we should look at uh, the fact that vote tampering is a very distinct possibility. Um, it, it seems that Imran Khan's party, the PTI, fell out with the military ahead of these elections. Some are saying that's why he ended up in prison. He's contesting all the charges that he ended up in prison on, saying it was all politically motivated and a fix. But his his, his party in all but name, PTI, is doing well. So it's neck and neck at the moment. that The results aren't in. They're coming in woefully slowly. Um, some of the returning officers are saying they're, they're soon to be expecting a tsunami of results. Let's hope they haven't been tampered with because it's really not going the way the military, which some say are the real power behind Pakistan now, uh, wanted it to go. It also shows uh, the power of somebody who's you know behind bars, but he's kept, still been campaigning using an artificial intelligence voice recognition because he can't actually campaign uh, as himself. Um, it has worked and people have taken to the polls. They've made their feelings clear and we'll have to see whether or not it has worked. Mm. Now, like just uh, a thought on this before we wrap this one up. Um, the, the voting democratic, talk about the Indian youth vote. I think any politician that's in part the minute all across the world, they're really scrambling for the next generation of voters because they realize the the rabbit's out of the bag with the older voters at the minute. They need new voters as much as we want new politicians or new political parties. When you look at something like Taylor Swift at the minute, she's being used to promote the Democratic Party. And they're saying you should be worried because look at the stadium full of young kids. They're all going to vote if Taylor Swift tells them to. They have a point. They don't have a clue what they're voting for. But I think they understand the importance of a young Democratic of voters. They have to get people involved or they yeah. will be out of a job. Uh, I think that applies in the West as well as in Pakistan. What do you say? Oh, absolutely. Although I do believe, like when I first saw this story and Gemma sent it through, uh, the fact that it's neck and neck now, I do think they do have too much power to be able to rig it. I don't think it will go the way that, you know, a lot of people would hope it would go. The fact that they put Ingram Khan in jail, um, I, I think there is a lot of uh, power there to rig it, even though they want it to look like, uh, like you said, they want the youth uh, to, to vote a certain way but they need it to look like they're going to vote a certain way rather than necessarily them voting that way because they have a lot of power to change that. But they need to give the illusion in the kind of polling uh, beforehand uh, that this is the way it's going to go. Like at the moment, it looks like here we're going to have a Labour landslide. They need to make it look like that before that actually happens. And then people don't tend to agree you know, disagree with it as much. So I think that's also very important, Gemma, what it looks like before. And uh, uh, they can then rig it if they want to to public opinion. Indeed, well, I mean, indeed. just, just so, on that, well, I was just going to yeah. say on that point, you know, the pre-predictive programming was that uh, Khan's opposition, the PML party, were going to landslide it. That's That was the predictive programming, you know, that it's going to be a landslide. Um, it's not looking like that. Um, and they, they had hoped to decimate uh, any of Khan's supporters, saying you can't even stand as a party, you all have to stand as independents, which is quite a difficult thing to do, and it has different sets mm. of rules. So they have all stood as independents, and they're all getting in. So it, it does but, remain to yeah, be seen. I, I really hope that it, yeah, I really hope that it does the opposite. But I fear when the results come in, there'll be a there'll be a drastic change at the end. Just funnily enough, coincidentally, we'll see. Let's time, hope not. Time will tell. Time will tell us with everything else. Time will tell. So uh, thanks for bringing that one to us this morning, Gemma. I'll talk thanks, to you Gemma. in the next star, of course. And if, uh, after we come back from this short break, we've got David Miller joining us to talk about his regal, a uh, regal recent. 
Court case, subliminal messaging there, uh, here at live on TNT. Don't go away. TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rhymes. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people are testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out saying we've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold or COVID? Well, Darren, I, COVID. I, I just I just did my eighth test oh, and okay. um, I, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk. TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonist. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words, and then he finally said, please, save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him. If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies. May it be a pista and no longer a bald eagle. If you think 
Assad is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker. I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. Okay, let's go. It's uh, David Miller time. He's very kindly agreed to join us here this morning. Uh, he is the producer of Palestine Declassified and also the director at Spinwatch, editor at Parbase Info, sacked infamously sacked by Bristol University at the behest of the Zionist movement. But he had his day in court, as they say, and he's came out with the proverbial laurel wreath, which could signal uh, a lot of rejoicing for many, many people around the world that are being persecuted for their own personal beliefs in certain political issues. David, welcome to the show. And uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing very well. It's been uh, full on since the judgment on Monday, but uh, we're doing well. Okay, for the benefit of the people out there that maybe haven't been following the case, uh, your previous employer uh, were casting aspersions on you uh, because of the beliefs that you held about uh, Israel, Palestine, and so on and so forth. You were sacked from there, but you took them to court. Uh, you've been found, uh, you know, you've been exonerated there, basically. And uh, this could be a landmark case for other people uh, that are holding the same uh, views that you would have, and also wider afield, maybe people that are critical of governmental authority or governmental overreach in certain parts of the world and in their own countries. Uh, the come down now, or the dust is settling after this case for you. Uh, what's the next step for you in terms of uh, your previous employer? Do you try and get back or what happens or where do you go from here? So, I mean, the key thing was that it, I was found to be wrongfully dismissed. They hadn't properly investigated me and properly evaluated whether they should, they should sack me. But the most important element of the case was that I was found to have been sacked for my anti-Zionist views, which were then declared by the court to be a philosophical belief which is uh, uh, worthy of respect in a democratic society and should be protected under the Equality Act. So it's not possible now for people to, any employer, to discriminate against people with anti-Zionist views. The next step is that we have to have what's called a remedies hearing, where it's determined how much money the university will have to pay me uh, in compensation for my losses. Uh, and we'll see what happens with that. But of course, then what could happen is that the university could appeal Possibly they will do that, and then we'll have to see uh, back in court whether they find any grounds of appeal which are successful. I, I doubt they will, but, but there we are. So basically, I've seen a post yesterday, and if you don't already follow uh, David on Twitter or the X platform, do so at tracking underscore par you had put a message up yesterday to say that despite your victory in the court you were still facing uh legal fees legal fees of around about thirty thousand pounds because i understand that bristol university aren't actually liable uh or are they're not responsible for paying those fees even though you won in that one as well so even though you have came out the other side victorious and it is a landmark case you're still dealing with residual fallout from having to go to court uh, to clear your name in the first place that's right. Well, I mean, my legal fees were astronomical, over £100,000. We've had a crowdfunder for some time now. Um, we've raised a huge amount of money, but, you know, there's still quite a lot to, uh, to raise. And so, you know, if people want to contribute, they can do uh, fightingfund.org. But yeah, this is the this is the next stage of the process. If there's an appeal, of course, I will have to raise further money. It shouldn't be as much again because it's a a, a, a minimal process. But yeah, I mean, this is a, a victory for everyone who has ever st stood up 
and criticised Israel, criticised Zionism. We all see uh, in, in Gaza the genocide which the Zionists mm. are committing, and everybody now knows across the world, millions of people now know that, that didn't before, that uh, Zionism is a genocidal ideology, and it's been declared in my case that it's okay to say that, it's not in the least bit racist, and in fact it's a, it's a, a legitimate political view. I think, um, David, that. it's important to differentiate, isn't it, the difference between being anti-Zionist and anti-Jewish. They're actually two different things, aren't they? That's a, that's absolutely correct. I mean, what the Zionists have tried to do in the last 20 or 30 years is to declare there is no difference, that being anti-Zionist is inherently uh, anti-Semitic. And this court has declared, on the contrary, there is a distinction and that uh, anti-Zionist views are, to use the uh, the, the, the text of the, the act, worthy of respect in a democratic society. So it, it drives a coach and horses through this 30-odd year Zionist campaign to blur the distinction. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is too, uh, David, just uh, following on, just on the bare bones of the court case, this £100,000 figure, the, the court fees that you came up with are astronomically high. That's a six-figure amount. For people, other people that are in the same position as you, is that also a big deterrent that even though you, for example, know you were in the right and it's been proven that you you didn't commit any uh, crime or you didn't do anything out of order, this is a landmark case, those six-figure court fees uh, would put an awful lot of people going uh, off going forward to take this issue to court. Is that also part of the makeup of this? The, the, the Even when people know that they're in the right or they believe in what they're saying and they believe what they're saying, they're not saying it with a racist or an alternative motive. The court fees are astronomical, man. Uh, I wouldn't even want to think about raising 100 grand. Uh, absolutely. Myself I, mean, I, mean, I didn't have any idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any idea there were going to be that much at the beginning. But, uh, but look, the, 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 the view I took uh, was that if you are defamed as a racist, then uh, rather than say, oh, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings or I'm sorry if you feel offended or can we talk about this? Rather than do that with the Zionism, there's no possibility of having a, a reasonable conversation. What you've got to do is oppose them and fight. Uh, and uh, my view was that that's the strategy which should be adopted by the left, the pro-Palestine movement, by, by Muslims internationally. We should just fight the Zionists because it's a racist ideology inherently. And that that's the key for me. And, and in the end, I didn't know it was going to cost this much money, but we had masses of support from people all over the world. Mm. And we've now established a legal principle that it's legitimate to say anti-Zionist things. And some of the anti-Zionist things I said were uh, really seen as out there uh, two years ago. Mm. But now they're just regarded as being run-of-the-mill, routine uh, statements of anti-Zionism, which is that uh, Zionism is a racist ideology, always has been and always will be. Mm. Well, if possible, uh, if you're listening in here and this is a a topic that's particularly dear to your heart, uh, feel free to give David some support as well. Uh, As he's already pointed out, there's a website, supportmiller.org. And of course, uh, you can find out more details on his Twitter or his X page at tracking underscore par. David, uh, we'll have to take a break for news headlines right now, but many, many thanks for taking time out. I know it's been a crazy week for you, uh, just to give us the lowdown on what the next steps are for you. And we will stay in contact and maybe next time we get a chat uh we'll have a little bit longer to expand out uh, on what you're up to at the minute so big thanks to you uh david miller we've got to take a little uh, news break right now but we will be back with kate shemarani yes one of tnt's finest uh, she'll be talking turbo cancer and off-com inquiries here live on tnt great news good news everyone tnt radio news matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines Tucker Carlson has released his full two-hour interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin. We'll bring you highlights throughout the day. 
The US Senate has advanced a $95 billion funding bill for Ukraine and Israel after border security measures were stripped out. And according to the Washington Post, Ukraine's front line could soon be about to collapse due to a critical shortage of soldiers. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Welcome. Okay, Kate says she might not answer us nicely. Let's let's see. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We are. Uh, you can get us on the end of the show. Uh, give us a call or get on our online chat. You can already hear her. Kate Shamani is here, and uh, you can catch her a TNT host at eight till ten UK time. She's exposing medical crimes in tyrannical times. A natural nurse in a toxic world. And here on Open Line, we often use her phrase: the National Homicide Service. And uh, she's here to discuss turbo cancers. How are we this morning, Kate? Well, I'm certainly well and well recovered because I was diagnosed with cancer 12 years ago, but I didn't take any of their mustard gas or be irradiated within an inch of my life. I did, however, let them cut my breasts off, but I signed myself out on day two when I realised I'd made a hideous mistake. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know what? so did you well, not go through with the operation, did you say, or did you no, go I had through the surgery. with surgery? And then yeah. I found out, um, this is 12 years ago, almost to the date, February, I think it was February 12th I was diagnosed, March 3rd I had surgery, and then uh, on day two I read, I went in with two books, Dr. Gerson's, uh, Dr. Gerson's Report of 50 Cases and the China Study. And then when I came home, I, I read three studies that stated if I did everything on the menu, surgery, chemo, radiotherapy, tamoxifen, Zolodex, I had a 20% chance of surviving two years, 0% of surviving five. And that having my breast cut off made no difference whatsoever. So I'd been mutilated and had a reconstruction. So the last part of healing is teaching others what you've learned for yourself. So we have the Cancer Act in the UK, the 1939 Cancer Act. If you mutter the words cure, you go straight to jail for three months. Yeah. And why is that? Because the sales revenue from cancer drugs has doubled among top pharmaceutical companies in the last 10 years, exceeding 103 billion US dollars in 2019. This is big money, big, yeah. dirty, filthy money. J.D. Rockefeller never touched any of it. And he lived till he was over 100. So, so do you think it, I was going to say, Kate, do you think it's a surprise then that Neil Oliver didn't get a slap on the wrist because he's been cleared by Ofcom after suggesting the COVID vaccinations are the cause of excess death and these turbo cancers. So are you surprised that, you know, he, he wasn't uh, told off by Ofcom on this occasion? You know what? I, I don't know Neil personally. I yeah. just see him as this hairy bloke that comes on the screen that everyone sees as a false idol. He comes on, he does his monologue, and everyone goes, yes, yes, he's going to save us. No, no one's going to save you. The Christ within is going to save you when you walk in authority and you decide for yourself. If you're still out there eating your McDonald's, watching your Netflix, having your cigarettes, um, 
not sleeping, drinking uh, sugary things, eating foods that aren't nutrient dense, McDonald's, doing all your whoring, debauchery, uh, pumping up your muscles, getting all your tats that are full of heavy metals, um, getting your Wi-Fi on 2.45 to 5.8 gigahertz that opens the blood brain barrier. If you're doing all that and then you're heading off to your pimp, your pharmaceutical pimp in the National Homicide Service, because you want him to fix you with a pill, it ain't happening. So you know what? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether he's he's I got slapped by Ofcom because I gave some truth on local radio run by a group of fat DJ wannabes. One of them's actually dead now, who really came down hard on me. They were told to remove all four years of my shows before lockdown. They wanted me wiped. It was on all the papers. My sister called me from Australia and said, wait, bitch, you're on the telly. And there I was on the news, sitting there on the radio station, just drinking a turmeric and ginger tea, think, just reporting on what I'd found in the public domain. But Neil Oliver's not got told off by Ofcom because do you know why? <laughs> Maybe he's telling the truth, absolutely. And turbo cancers, look at all these oncologists, oncologists. It's when people go, my onc, you don't need to own an onc. And you don't need to say my cancer, they're just your cells. That because you're deficient in vitamins, minerals and enzymes, and now your liver, the life is in the blood is so toxic because your blood goes through your liver every three minutes, you can't generate an immune response. So how are you gonna fix it to kill these cells or repair the DNA before you divide and get mitosis and you get a palpable detectable tumor? How are you gonna sort it? You're gonna go and have mustard gas or more toxins injected into you because these oncologists that are reporting turbo cancer how rich do you think they're getting because they do their nhs national homicide work then they all at the london clinic they're all at the london clinic where charles oh i'm one of them now look he's one of us he's got prostate cancer as well you autopsy most old blokes and you'll find an inflamed prostate doesn't mean it would have killed them it's so that everyone goes, oh, he's one of us. Oh, shut up. They're really not. They're in their ivory tower eating all. Have you ever seen any of them eat in public? No. Eating their <laughs> organic food, drinking their yes. filtered water, doing all Absolutely. of that. The queen mother, she was nearly outlived by the corgis. She lived to what age? Look at look at the bloke that was married to the queen. I mean, he was literally a walking dinosaur. They don't he, exist. He looked, like a, he looked like a zombie, didn't he? Can I, before what? I am, uh, can yeah. I be cheeky? Yeah. Uh, before before I introduce Rick, uh, can I be cheeky and say, I've uh, gone sober, okay? I've taken out all pharmaceuticals. Um, how is it I can get more healthy? You know, because my hormones are all out of balance. What do you suggest to people like me who are trying to get on the right, right path? Is there is there like research we can do? What? What would you well, suggest? Well, you need to watch my show because I've got the best yep. coming on. I've got Catherine Alexander who's actually living in Australia. She's the best. You detox, you flood your body with nutrients, you get in the midday, out in the midday sun when your shadow is short, you get to bed before 10 p.m. Sometimes I don't, and then I'm because I'm looking after my daughter now, but you, you need to get to bed before 10 p.m. You need to be true to your word. You have to try and not say anything bad because it tells us in Ephesians. Uh, our word is our sword. It's a vibration. It's quantum physics. You're going to get it back at you. You're going to corrupt your You're mostly water. And you have to look at what light does. Get out in the midday sun. Earth, stand on the earth. Connect back. Switch it all off. Don't eat sugar. It's acid poison. 
It's more addictive than crack cocaine. It lights up all the same centers of your brain. It's in everything. If you're heading down a supermarket and buying your coleslaw, it's got sugar in it. Yep. So you make uh, as somebody as, as somebody who's been addicted to both, I can say that they are equally addictive. Rip, before we have to wrap this up, um, what would you like to say and uh, speak to Kate? Uh, it's great listening to you talk. Uh, you, you're, you're really uh, adding a lot of uh, meat to some of the bones that we try and bring in this program here. We're, we're big advocates of trying to get out into the into the real world, more detached from being online, cutting out the toxins that we're putting into our body. We're all works in progress. You know, there's all room for improvement with all of us here. But Natalie, uh, to give her a juice, you know, she's kicked the booze this year and she's cleaned Fantastic. up that. Uh, I'm, I'm walking, exercising more, trying to eat yeah. uh, cleaner. Uh, I'm a work in progress too. So it's nice to hear you talking really to the point yes. about this, no faffing about, you know, one of the reasons why the health services are overrun is because we're destroying our own bodies from every angle. It's not just the food that we eat. It's maybe the health company we, that we talk to. Service. Uh, sorry, the, sorry. Oh. My apologies. My apologies. The whole Have you seen the state of the doctors and nurses? Yes, I know. I know. The only good thing during lockdown was they actually moved their fat horses and danced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were squeezing rubs like well-stuffed Chesterfield couches. Absolutely <laughs> diabolical. <laughs> they were, but listen, we could that could be the content of another show completely, but we've got to stop now because we'll have to take an ad break uh, and go to an ad break. But Kate, it's been an absolute uh, blast having Thanks you on. So Thanks much, you so much, Kate. Uh, for taking time. Coffee enemas, Natalie. Get your coffee. Oh, your yeah, not live on her. Okay, do it no, that no. in your own time and in your own uh, yep. flat. Thank you very much. But yeah, that's uh, Kate Shamarani, the one and only. You can check out her shows at the weekend on TNT. Check our website, tntradio.live. And we will be back after this short break with more stories here on Open Line. So don't go away. This is today's News Talk. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week, Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, testified before Congress and talked all about the threat that China poses to us and it was downright frightening. The CCP's dangerous actions, China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security make it the defining threat of our generation. Now, when I described the CCP as a threat to American safety a moment ago, I meant that quite literally. There has been far too little public focus on the fact that PRC hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure. Seemingly everything we need to survive. Our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. And get this, we even have a time frame for this impending disaster. The budgets that emerge from discussions underway now will dictate what kind of resources we have ready in 2027, a year that, as this committee knows all too well, the CCP has circled on its calendar. Oh, we have three years to neutralize this existential threat. Don't you feel better? I don't. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday right here on TNT. to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future. 
with nutritious food to eat. A chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care, education, life skills, and more, so they can grow, thrive, and believe in themselves. Gracias. Gracias. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. This is a place for crazy people. Natalie Cheel and Rick Mott. I think you'll listen. TNT. Okay, a lot of people are just glancing into the live chat, tntradio.live. Uh, please feel free to create a little account there. Leave your thoughts, opinions, comments, views, suggestions in the live chat. Uh, a lot of people reeling, reeling at the advice Kate was giving. Cut out the sugar, cut out the fatty foods, get off your ass, exercise more, and cut out the booze. That's a tough one for many, many people to do, but it is possible to do it. And this links in beautifully with the story that Natalie has highlighted here on the minimum alcohol unit price in Bonnie, Scotland. Oh, the home of Nicholas Sturgeon is to rise up to 65p a unit. Why are they doing that to the Scots? Is it like they drink too much, do you think, and they want to try and curb oh, their drinking? Or do they realize they're such heavy drinkers? Yeah, and they're, Traditionally, they're known as heavy drinkers, the, oh, yeah. the Scots. But uh, I don't agree with this at all. And this is coming from someone that, you know, had a bit of a drink – drink problem in the past a bit um, a bit, a bit. <laughs> well yeah uh yeah should i just say huge binge drinker humongous um, huge yeah. drinking problem yeah. Exactly. And uh, but it's about freedom of choice. And uh, what they're doing is increasing uh, the price, the minimum price from 50 to 65p. So that will mean uh, a bottle of red wine uh, is going to be six pound and nine pence, the very cheapest that you can buy. I mean, that's quite expensive. Uh, So scotch whiskey is going to go from 14 pounds to 1820. Vodka gin, 1313 to 17 pound. Wine from 480. Uh, to six pound thirty four in most cases. Beer four pound forty to five seventy two, and cider three pound ninety six to five fifteen. Now, what does this do? They're trying to say this will save lives. Uh, no, it won't. It will just increase the poverty gap because people who are dependent on alcohol will still go buy it. But we're in a cost of living crisis, so you'll just make the poor poorer and more. Hmm. Or ill, and you'll and the people who can afford it might be able to make a difference. But you're just going to make the poor iller, and uh, with less money, it's a terrible idea. And uh, it should you should be focusing on, uh, you know, getting to the root of the problem. You want to stop alcoholism. You want to stop people drinking. I should know more than anyone else. You really need to understand why you're drinking in the first place. You need to put support systems out there. Uh, uh, raising the cost of alcohol is literally the worst thing you can do, and you will just give people who are all drinking more problems and more reasons to drink rick that's what yeah I this article here says of course the government said you know this is your side of things you know i have my side of things that would be in line with what you believe but the government also have their uh their yeah. their pitch on this one they said uh, i'm clear that alcohol continues to cause significant health harm to too many people in this country that's scotland ms robinson said but we as a government are determined to do all we can to reduce 
alcohol harm. So, of course, they're coming at it from that. This is for your benefit. This is for the benefit of the Scottish people, when in reality, uh, at best, it's not really going to curb people from drinking. It's just going to take even more money out of their pockets and into the pockets of the governments because they're increasing tax. And by the way, that 50p per unit, the 65p, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's a, we're talking in terms of pence, but if you look at that in terms of percentage increase, that's 30%, Natalie. So going from 50 to 65p is a 30% hike in this minimum unit of alcohol price, which is absolutely humongous. And these are only the figures that we're looking at here. Uh, probably, uh, I'm not sure if it says this in the report or not, but I would imagine that's if you're buying from maybe an off license or buying it from a supermarket. If you go out for a pint, or you go out for a glass of wine in a pub or a, or a bottle of wine in a restaurant, I would imagine uh, the prices will be more exorbitantly higher again, uh, which will, of course, uh, hammer people even further. I just wanted to say Holly makes a brilliant point as well in the online chat. Not everyone who likes to drink various beverages is an alcoholic. And I absolutely agree, Holly. I'm not trying to say, I mean, I I know I have a drink problem. Um, once I stop, start, I can't stop. Um, I don't have a filter. Uh, but not everyone does. And so what's what's actually happened? You're punishing the whole of society for 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 the few yeah we've seen this so much uh you know some people just want to go and and buy a bottle of wine a week and maybe that was their little treat and what suddenly they've been punished because there are some people like me who can't who can't sort out their drink problem again it's uh you know the greater good issue isn't it we you know we, we'll have to make everybody suffer for the greater good you know so it's not the way to cure alcoholism and not everybody should be punished so whatever way you look at this story i don't agree with the uh increase rick no. And the thing is, too, but, you know, everybody, and I mean everybody, ourselves, everybody that's listening, we all struggle with something in our lives. We all struggle with behaviors that are maybe not good for us. Some people can moderate things in some areas of their life and they run amok and others you know some people can have gambling addictions other people would never go near a bookie some people can not know when to stop drinking other people don't drink at all but then the people that drink and keep themselves healthy and fit don't eat a lot of sugar maybe the fatties uh, people that like the biggie bar like me i don't drink at all uh, but i have a problem with a sugar addiction you know and it can be affected by you know if you're under stress if you're uh, going through a bad time if you're particularly moody or whatever it happens to be there's always something out there uh, to trip us up and if you're fortunate enough to be able to regulate your you know intake of these things then that's great but definitely uh, everyone has their little triggers and i think without a shadow of a doubt not enough is being done to address people yes, that yes. have alcohol issues not moderate drinkers people that have alcohol issues they fall by the way said the same as i suppose there's no support services there the way there should be safe for kids with mental health issues as well or adult learning facilities being closed down for a lack of funding they're just pushing people with addiction issues to the side not like and I think one of the biggest issues that I see around me is people struggling with their money, Rick, um, despite mm -hmm. having problems with sugar and uh, drugs and drink. Uh, one thing I've always been naturally very good at is uh, accounting, money, uh, maths, budgeting. That's probably why I'm still here, despite all my other problems. And you know what? I, I think a lot of the time they don't want people to be good at it. You know, it, it, they don't teach it in school. Yes, you do that your maths, but you don't get taught in school how to budget. You know, mm -hmm. how how 
how you should put your money by, how you should uh, how say how you should be able to set up and save, how how you need to pay your bills, all of those type of things. Most of the people around me struggle with that and struggle with their money on a day to day basis because they don't know how to handle it. And I think in a way that's one of the biggest addictions: spending money on on basically anything. So I I, I think that you know it's getting to the root of the problem, and mm-hmm. there's not enough anywhere for any of the problems, whether that be spending money or gambling or drink or drugs or sugar it's you know it's the 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 solution for the government uh tends to be for pollution or any of these problems let's put up the cost you know that's supposed to be the ultimate deterrent but uh you know dealing with the actual root of the problem which is actually budgeting as well could help a lot but nothing has been done you make a good point there too you know for the people that do uh some people do have spending addictions as well they do uh, and they cope with stress by going out and racking up debt or maybe spending money they don't have and then they're struggling and getting under more stress at the end of the month and then they're turning to other things to help uh, deal with that stress the alcohol thing and the spending thing could actually go hand in hand as well because you know if you like the spending and you're buying drink at the same time it's almost it like you're getting a double hit but then you wake up with the hangover and then you look at what you've spent and you go flipping heck i don't have enough money now to pay most the people i know have both yeah and, That's it, and what it's I mean. a horrible so combination things, these things actually link in and interlock together so it's really really important as you've said uh budgeting is another one and i've found as well myself this week, the last five days, I've really cleaned up my evening eating habits, right? That was my killer. I had I was like super disciplined until about 10 o'clock at night. And then I started eating junk just before I went to bed. But I don't buy it anymore. And it's so simple. It sounds so simple. But if it's not in the house, you can't eat it. And if the shops are closed, you can't go out and buy it. So if you're struggling with willpower, it's a bit like an alcoholic. Don't go and sit in a bar with your mates oh, yeah. if you're trying to stay on the wagon. You're just going to be tempted by that stuff. So if it's not there... Uh, it's difficult to eat it or drink it or yep. smoke it or do whatever with it. I've actually started using an app called Reframe um, rather than going mm-hmm. like to Alcoholics Anonymous. And it just teaches you lessons each day. You do stuff. And that's basically mm-hmm. a lot of what it says. That it's mm-hmm. willpower isn't what stops you uh, doing a ha- mm-hmm. stops you doing a habit. Mm-hmm. It's putting things in place. So for me, it's like if you continue going to the pub every day, you will eventually drink. If you sit around people that are drinking, that's not about willpower. You're literally setting yourself up to fail. So, you know, it's a lot of the time it's not willpower, guys. It's trying to change your life, your actual Mm -hmm. lifestyle and what you're doing and setting yourself up to succeed and manifest that. Uh, and it's not about how strong your willpower is. So the reason mm-hmm. I'm, I think it's 47 days uh, clean sober is mm-hmm. because I'm not putting myself in those places. And I feel confident because if, if while I don't put myself in those places, there's no chance of me drinking. I've got yeah. no alcohol in the house. It's not going to happen. So, you know, that, exactly. that's, that's not just willpower. It's a lot more to do with those decisions. I found whenever I used to do the trips over to Africa, sometimes for up to six weeks at a time, I would come back like, a stone, a stone and a half lighter. People are like, oh, how did you do that? I said, well, it's really simple. I couldn't access uh, fast yeah, food. There are it. no fast food places. There is no chocolate. There is no crisps. You're eating boiled rice all the time. You're walking everywhere. You know, you're eating, you're drinking fresh water from a well every day. Do that for six weeks. And, you know, Kate was talking before uh, about de- the detoxifying. That's the best way to do it. Get yourself away from all these negative uh, things that you can bring into your body. And you have no alternative but to get healthier. So don't bring it into the house. 
uh, and don't go to the places that it's sold or at least uh, walk past the aisles because they're very sneaky in the supermarkets, aren't they? They put these things on display yes, at do. the checkouts and they, they have the alcohol places that they're easy. You have to walk through them in some places to get the other parts of the store. So very sneaky, but uh, yeah. willpower is great if you have it. Uh, but if you're not if you're not uh, possessed with great willpower, just simply don't buy the stuff. Don't have it in your house and don't expose yourself to that stimuli. Wise I words there, Nat. And, and remember that you change your neural pathways. Three months is a big uh, mm -hmm. slight stamp, if you like, or your badge in Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a reason for that. Your neural pathways actually change and you form new habits. So if you can manage something for three months, then the, the that willpower will actually change anyway mm -hmm. and your brain will tell you not to do it. So th yep. there's another kind of motivation. Mm. Yeah, and uh, if this is ringing true with you, um, I'll probably have a little look at the live chat uh, after the show here today. If there's any, because sometimes the comments go by so fast, we miss a lot of comments. But maybe uh, this is ringing true with some of the people in the chat here this morning. Just before we go here, uh, wrapping it up uh, for the week, mesh and sodium uh, valparate scandal victims need payouts. So this is another uh, medical malpractice thing, or certainly a medical abuse thing that's been happening. Families of children left. The disabled by an anti-epilepsy drug and women injured by pelvic mesh implants should be given urgent financial help, say England's Patient Safety Commissioner uh, this week. So more people hurt by either pharma products, epilepsy drugs, or mesh being put into their pelvises in the case of these women oh. here, left in chronic pain, maybe uh, terrible issues down below, but again, not looked after, not compensated. No, but they took years, like the post office scandal, like for Millerhide, like like the vaccines are going to be uh, the COVID vaccines. They wait and wait and wait till eventually, you know, like it's been so long that people are just kind of go, oh, well, we'll compensate them now. But they've known about this. They've known for a long time how awful it is. Uh, we've got figures here. Figures suggest there were 127 mesh implants to treat incompetent in incontinence. And uh, yet £100,000 are going to be given to the victims of sodium valve valprodehyde of whatever you mm -hmm. said it was and to 20,000 to those women um so that's going to be a massive amount of compensation um and there are there are uh there, there are a hell of a lot of uh, people that have been affected by this uh but they've just kept it undercover you know that they've known about it for a long time and i do think this is what will happen with the vaccines as well that that's why in a sense they're going to let leal oliver and some people like that say about it mm -hmm. so eventually they can say oh yeah people were saying it uh, yeah, but we always had an idea. And then 10 years later, they'll start saying, oh, we'll start paying compensation out now. Uh, but we don't want that to happen. We want the truth now to be told, Rick, uh, not 10 years later. Yeah, indeed. Um, I'm looking at some of the uh, chat here. So we've got a lot of people in there, the chat. I just want to acknowledge you guys, because as I've said before, it's not an excuse, but because of the pace of the show now, which I really enjoy, uh, it just means we can't dip in and out of the live chat the way we used to. Uh, Jane Black's in there, Holly's in there, Molly Bites is in there, Skippy, just a bloke who asks questions, all leaving information hidden in plain sight, uh, talking about uh, Lemmy uh, from Motorhead by the looks of it which is absolutely fantastic that guy talked a lot of sense too got a lot of flack about being this old crusty uh, metler who played his music very very loud and did a lot of drinking drugs but Lemmy spoke a lot of sense as well uh, Skippy's in there so uh, Vanessa Y the list goes on and on so all you lovely people in there 
Thank you so very much for all your contributions. And we know you're listening intently and you're talking amongst yourselves about the topics that we're discussing and other ones too, which is the whole purpose uh, of that live chat as well. So we're going to wrap it up. Or we're pretty much ready for wrapping it up uh, here for another week. So Natalie, whatever you're planning on doing, I uh, hope you have a good one. Uh, we'll be back again uh, next week, of course, as normal uh, with uh, Open Line. The music is coming on here now. I'm a little bit premature in my wrapping up here. So, you know, what can I do? Sing a song. I could get up and uh, dance the light fandango or trip it, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. Uh, the lovely people, Murray's encouraging me. Murray Magnuson in the studio is encouraging me to dance. That's something you won't see Rick Munn doing unless he's had at least... <laughs> 20 to 40 units of alcohol on ACDC are playing in the background, none of which is the case here this morning on TNT, by the way. So, uh, Natalie, uh, yeah, have a good I one. Say bye. You can say you could actually say bye bye on loop for at least 30 seconds. That would make a lot of people very, very happy. So do you want to do you want to go for it just before we leave here? Natalie, uh, she's about to leave the building. I'm about to leave the building. This has been Open Line. I'm Natalie Chill. I will be back at 9am on Monday. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Yo. (laughs) 